What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Porn of the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and it's good to be here with you. Man, beginning of the summer, both of my kids are done with school. My son is out in Texas uh, working at camp, getting ready for a bunch of uh, campers to come throughout the summer. And actually, my daughter is going to be one of those campers late in the summer, the last group to to go through uh Pine Cove, the camp. And so uh, we're excited for her, excited for my son and um, what he's going to be able to do out there. Just a fantastic, fantastic uh, organization, Pine Cove, uh, that really do pour into these uh, these young men and women who are then pouring into these teenagers uh, that are in high school coming through the coming through the camp. So really thankful for that. Uh, Allie and I have uh uh, she's got a few uh, trips planned. Mayor Ryan has a few trips planned and I'm trying to plan a trip for us. And so we'll see how that goes this summer, but hopefully you all are kind of settling into the summer, uh, getting ready for it. Hope everybody has uh, some, some good things planned. Wanted to, before we kick it off, did want to remind you that uh, I have now opened up the uh, Man of Valor. So you can go to themanofvalor.com and learn more about this. This is going to be a community. So if you feel like, hey, I don't have anybody I can talk to, um, and I'd really like to to be around a bunch of guys who are uh, really fighting this fight together. And honestly, what I really want this to be, I believe this is, I was out walking this morning and praying. I really do believe this is going to be a movement within local churches. So I'm excited about that. I believe that men are going to be equipped to be ministers in their church so that they can help other brothers in Christ. And it's not just about uh, the struggle with sexual sin. I mean, that's a large part of it. And to think that this is this thing is just going to go away is just not the truth. It's not going to happen. As a matter of fact, it's going to it's going to become uh, like a bigger issue within the church, and we need men, brothers in Christ, who are finding freedom, fighting to find freedom, who can then help other brothers do the same thing, all right? And and to do that in a Christ-exalting, gospel-centered way. This is, the, this is the true freedom that we want, because it's not just about finding freedom from pornography. It's about finding joy in Christ. There has to be something greater we're aiming for, and the greatness of Christ and the greatness of God is what we're aiming for. And I can promise you that that is the true path to purity right? It's the path to not only purity, but perception. You will start to see God clear and understand him more. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to learn more about that, go to themanofvalor.com and check it out. It's very small right now. So uh, we are going to be having a lot of one-on-one time together. And as with this thing grows and as this movement grows, I'm, I'm excited about what happens there and what it becomes. And uh, just pray that the Lord blesses it and does whatever he wants to do with it. So go check it out. And as always, if you're interested in uh, the course, the course that I created at Natural Porn Killer, you can go there and sign up for free and walk through that course. 
Um, what we're going to have in uh, the Man of Valor is a little bit different. We are going to have obviously a, a place about, or we're going to talk a lot about uh, sexual sin and walking in purity, but it's also going to be, we're also going to be focusing on other areas of our life that are highly important. We want to be good stewards in all areas of life. And so this is, uh, this is what it's going to be about. So what I want to do is I want to share some thoughts that I was having this week in my quiet time. I don't know how I got uh, into uh, parts of the Old Testament from Psalms, but it sometimes happens that way. And uh, man, I was just incredibly blessed by the reading of God's Word and just thinking about it. And uh, some of these characters that we see in Scripture, some of these kings that I'm going to be talking to you about here. And it's really interesting because we know through the Word that all of these kings, like there were no perfect kings. The The model is David, and David struggled greatly. Then we, we look at his son, Solomon. Solomon struggled greatly. Like, all of these men struggled greatly. But we can. What we can do is we can we can carefully read the Word and think about some of the things that went on in their life and see how they apply to all men that God calls to be leaders. Like if God's, if you're a man and God's um, saved you by faith and trust in Christ, then he's called you to be a leader. The first leader that you need to be is a leader of yourself. So this has to do with um, purity. This has to do with your walk with the Lord. And then he desires you to lead your family. And then if he sets you at a place in work, then you can lead in work. And And I also believe that he's called many, many men to be leaders in the church. And, and this doesn't have to be, you don't have to be an elder or a deacon at your church, but you can lead in ministry. Uh, you can take the initiative and start things that God may use in some really incredible ways if you allow him to. So let's look at some of these kings and let's just talk about some of these uh, these things that I was reading about and see how they apply to us. All right, so we're going to start in Second Chronicles 14, and we're going to start with this king. I want to call him Asa, A-S-A, uh, or Asa, Asa. I don't know how to exactly pronounce this. Um, you don't hear too many sermons, so maybe I hadn't heard somebody talk about him. Uh, but I'll just call him Asa. How about that? So let's let's read. Let's kick it off. Second Chronicles 14. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Um, his father passed away, and he took over as king. And this is what it says about him, starting in verse 2 of chapter 14 of Second Chronicles. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the foreign altars and the high places and broke down the pillars and cut the ashram and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandment. Now, at this time, Israel and Judah had split up, and so he was king over Judah. And so he's... He's man, he's saying, you know what I'm gonna do? He I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of all the foreign altars and the high places where they're worshiping idols. I'm gonna break down these pillars and cut down the ashram where people are worshiping and 
Like they're not bringing honor and glory to God publicly. They're worshiping other gods. And then I'm going to command Judah to seek the Lord and to keep the law. And so this pleased God. And so we keep on reading verses 8 through 12. What was interesting is Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah. And this is what it says about him. Armed with large shields and spears and 280,000 men from Benjamin that carried shields and drew bows, all these were mighty men of valor. Right? Mighty men of valor. So 580,000 warriors is what he had in his army. I think this is fantastic. Like you look at it and you go, man, Asa, man, he had this incredible army. He was turning people's hearts back to the Lord. He was, he was getting rid of idols. He was purifying the land. And so we see these things as good. And he, and it says, starting in verse two, he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. That's what he was doing. And we love this, but then conflict came, right? So when Asa sought to do the will of the Lord and do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, his God, others took notice and others didn't like it. And there are enemies out there that can't stand, they can't stand when people stand up and men stand up and seek to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And this is what we see. We see Zira, the Ethiopian, came out against them. So he came out against Judah with an army of a million men and 300 chariots and came as far as Merishah. So here's Asa with 580,000 warriors. And then Zira says, I got you. Like I almost double you. I've got a million men and I got 300 chariots. I don't read of any chariots in Judah's army. And so what happens when a man of God sees his enemy? What happens with a man of God who who probably felt pretty decent about an army? Like, I would feel pretty good about 580,000 warriors, especially when they're described as mighty men of valor. Like, these were not people who wanted to go home. These were not people who were trying to run away. These were mighty men of valor. Like, so if you look at it, like through the human eye, it didn't seem like Asa had anything to be worried about until, until he saw the enemy with a million men and 300 chariots. And then what happens was, well, Asa, he couldn't shrink back and that's not in their nature. They're mighty men of valor. So he went out to meet him and drew their lines up in the, for battle in the Valley of Zephathoth, whatever, at Merishash. So here they are. Asa went out to meet him, drew up their lines, and then what did he do? Verse 11, and Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. Brothers, let me let me bring this. When I was reading this, this is what I was thinking about. I was like, this is an incredible story. 
and you have an army that by all accounts, as far as I know, loves the Lord. And then you have an army that is an enemy, double the size. And so Asa went out to meet them, saw them with his own eyes, understood that if I go against this army without God, I'm going to get slaughtered. And so when we start seeing the enemy as he really is, we will cry to the Lord. We'll cry to the Lord. But as long as you think that you can defeat the enemy in your own power, you're going to get slaughtered. So what did Asa do? He cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Now, let's stop right there. How, how, does, how does Asa know this? How does Asa know this? How can he say this with integrity? The reason he says this with integrity and with faith is because he knows who God is. And he knows who God is by the reading of his word. Asa's read all the stories. He knows how God came to the rescue of his people in Egypt, how he led them out, how he drew them out, how he drowned the armies of Egypt. He knows how he cared for his people through the wilderness and how he gave them the land and how he drove out their enemies, how he was with David and Solomon. If you and I don't know the word and we don't know God, then who are we, like, what are we drawing from? How are we going to have faith? Because this is what this is all about. Asa is crying to the Lord because he believed that God was the only one who could help him. So he saw the enemy. He saw how large he was. And then he looked to his larger God, to his great God. You're the only one. None like you can help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you. Here's his public declaration. Here Asa, the king, is in front of all his mighty men of warriors, mighty men of valor, I mean, 580,000 warriors, and he says, please, we rely on you. I'm not relying on all these men. I'm relying on you. And in your name, We've come against this multitude. Let them not prevail against you. Let not man prevail against you. Verse 12, so the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. So when our eyes are opened to the reality of our weakness and in humility we cry to God, and in faith we cry to God, he will defeat our enemies. Now, this requires that we come to an end of ourselves. And we stop trying to say, oh, I can, I can handle this. No, 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 no. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to share with anybody. I'm not going to confess to a friend or a brother or my wife, or I'm not going to talk to my pastor. I'm not going to seek help. I'm not going to I'm not going to do the things that I probably know I should do because I think I got this. I think I can do this. And brother, let me tell you something. We, for the most part, are powerless against the enemy without the Lord. And 
if you and I were able to defeat this enemy, if you and I were able to defeat this enemy and just find freedom very easily from struggle with sexual sin, who would get the glory? It's probably not God. So, the Spirit of God came on a prophet after this happened. Oded was the prophet's name. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Brothers, 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 we, do you know, do you know how we have access to the power of God over sin in our lives? We have access to the power of sin over our lives because Jesus Christ, the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, the perfect sacrifice gives us access to God. And so you and I can cry to the Lord, our God, and he will help us in our weakness. And he will be with us. If you seek him, he will be found. But when we start to rely on ourselves, when we start to think that we have this thing beat and we can take care of it, we're, we're kidding ourselves. We're not going to do it. So I want to I keep going just a little bit further here. Second Chronicles 15, 7 through 8. It's a prophet of the Lord again to Asa. But you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. So prophet came and told Asa, like, hey, keep doing the work. Finish what you've started. The Lord is with you. While you're with him, he's going to be with you. While you're committed to him, he's going to give you strength. And as soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the house of the Lord. So how did Asa take courage? How did he take courage? It says he took courage, verse 8. As soon as he heard these words, what words did he hear? He heard words from Azariah, the son of Oded, the prophet. He heard a prophecy. So he heard the word from the Lord, and he took courage. Again, I'm coming back to the word of the Lord. If you and I are not, if we are not seeking Christ and seeking God in the word of God, and finding our strength there, we will not take courage. We will continue to live in fear, and we will continue to hide, and we will continue to isolate, and we will continue to struggle. We'll continue to struggle. And brothers, I don't want that for you. Like I, I'm like thinking about my life, and I'm thinking about the years wasted, and I don't want that for you. So, brother, if you're 20 years old and you're listening to this, if you're 30 or you're 40 or you're 50, I don't care. Like, don't waste another day. Run to the Word of God, and there you're going to find courage. 
there you're going to find hope. But you have to know it. You have to believe it. And I promise you, it doesn't happen. Like You will not find courage if you just pick up and spend five minutes glancing at the word and putting it down. Like you're not, you're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. Like he's given us his word so that we would be nourished so that we would eat it. Like as if we're starving, we would eat it and it would nourish our soul and we would find enjoyment in it. We would find courage. We would find power over sin. Like the Holy Spirit uses his holy word to defeat sin in us. He also uses it to open our eyes and open our ears. And so last thing I'll share actually was this morning I was reading. Um, let me Let me find it real quick. I was reading in <clears throat> Job. And it says this, verse chapter 36, verse 15, verse 15, he delivers the afflicted by their affliction and opens their ear by adversity. Like, brother, if you struggled with sexual sin for years and years, this is your affliction. If this is your affliction, it says that he delivers the afflicted by their affliction and opens their ears by adversity. Now, when I look back over my life and my struggle with sexual sin, like what would have happened if I would have had an easy life? Like, would I know the Lord like I know him now? No, I wouldn't. Now, did he desire me to to sin like this? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like Christ died so that I would like put away and flee youthful passions and pursue him, pursue righteousness. That's what he died for. But sometimes, sometimes we we don't learn so so quickly. And so what he does is he uses affliction and adversity to drive us into a deeper dependence on him. So I'm looking at Asa here. Why did he cry to the Lord? Because he saw he was about to get slaughtered. And if our spiritual eyes were opened to the struggle of sin, the true nature and struggle of sin, and what it's doing to our lives and what it's doing to our families and what it's doing to our soul, we would probably wake up and cry out to God. I pray that he opens our ears through adversity. Let me read you this just real quickly, this quote from Spurgeon. I was like looking, what did Spurgeon have to say about this passage in Job? And he says this, sometimes God goes another way to work. He often strikes his people to the heart with a sense of their sin, not by his word, but by his rod. He delivers the afflicted by their affliction and opens their ear by adversity. Many a man has been deaf to God's word, but the thunder of his providence has opened his ear and made him hear God's voice. 
When the eyes are blinded with tears, then the ears are opened to receive heavenly instruction. When the heart is heavy, then the soul is sensitive, and conscience speaks with sterner tones than it ever did before. Essentially, what he's saying here is, sometimes we're so stuck in our sin, so stuck in our sin, that it's going to take great, great pain and disappointment and struggle for us to wake up. And the Lord will use these things. If we won't pay attention to his word, we will pay attention to his rod. For he is a good father. He is a good father. And what father, what good father out there hasn't lovingly disciplined his children, his sons? So brothers, I would rather, I'm just thinking about it from like a very practical standpoint, and, and you probably will agree with me here. I would rather, I would rather come to find the grace and the mercy and the power and the purity of the gospel and God's grace in my life and his power over sin. I'd rather find that through the word and not through the rod. So even this morning, as I was walking in my neighborhood and praying, I was just thinking, God, there's sin in my life that there's sin in my life that I've probably grown very, very comfortable with, very comfortable with. And, and I, and I, I probably treat this sin very lightly. Well, this is not that big of a deal. This is not that big of a deal. I'm thinking of things like what? And, and I'm just throwing things out there. Maybe it's the music that I'm listening to. Maybe it's the TV shows that I watch. Maybe it's sedation in other ways. Maybe it's scrolling on social media, whatever the case. Like, Lord, and, and I'm not saying to that we live like monks. We're not isolated. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. But if I, if I desire a close, close, intimate walk with the Lord where my prayers are heard and I start to see and feel the power of God in my life and in my family's life, and I start seeing miracles as he's doing incredible things, and like if I desire that, then I'll be serious about my sin. Be serious about it. Like I will take it seriously and I will see even what maybe other Christians may consider the smallest sin. I'll start to see them like Asa saw the Ethiopians. Just a little bit of sin, just a little bit of sin, just a little bit of sin, and it will creep up and kill you. Creep up and kill you and harden your heart to the word of the Lord. Harden our hearts to the grace and and keep us living in fear and isolation. I just don't want that. I don't want that for you. Don't want it for me. Don't want it for my son. Don't want it for your kids. All right, brothers. Man, I hope that this week that you just say, you know what, I'm I'm done I'm done playing around with the Word of God. I'm I'm gonna start digging deep. Uh, I had a brother in Christ, young guy that I was talking with, and 
you know, we were talking about how he approaches the word of God and he confessed. He was like, you know, I, I, I don't really dig deep in the word. I, I read some passages and, and, um, you know, think about them or whatever. And I just encourage him like, man, dig, dig a little deeper, dig a little deeper, like just prayerfully consider the word and prayerfully think about it and take your time. Don't think you have to read an entire chapter. Just pick some verses and go a little bit deeper. If you need help with that, if you need to learn how to study, like there's all kinds of ways that you can do this. And he reported back to me, um, he said, I've got some time today. I'm going to do that. And so he reported back to me and he was reading about Ananias and Sapphira. And I think Acts chapter five, I think it is five or six. And anyway, he reported back and just was sharing uh, his thoughts. And, and I was just like, man, this is awesome. Like, praise God, praise God. His word is so good. It's so rich. We'll never exhaust it. We'll never come to the end of it. We'll never come back to passages and go, Oh, I've already, I know all that, but you know, that's, it's, I think that's initially what we think, but it's not the truth. You can read the same passages over and over and God just has, it's so rich, so rich, so rewarding. But I pray that for you. I, I do. I pray that the Lord just sparks a passion and a zeal for his word and, and not in a, not in a proud and boastful way. Like, look at me, I study the word, but in a humble way of like, Oh God, I need you so bad. Like Asa just cried out, Oh Lord, we need you. Like we are weak, but you are strong. Help us, O Lord God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against our enemies. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you, God. Let not sin rule over us. In the precious name of Christ, I pray that. All right, brothers, I'll be back with another episode sometime soon.